Hello, and welcome to another episode of the IA Talks AI, the Investment Association's podcast series looking at everything to do with AI and the investment management industry. My name is James King, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Rebecca Healy today. Rebecca is Managing Partner at Redlap Consulting. Redlap is a consultancy that specializes in market structure and the evolving use of technology in the investment life cycle. Rebecca, lovely to have you here. Thank you, James. It's great to be here. Well, maybe we could start by just hearing a little bit more about yourself and also how you became to be interested in AI. Yes. So actually, I am particularly interested in AI. I think it's because to me, it seems that we're at a similar juncture that we were with the birth of algo trading back in the day. And I can distinctly remember the then Richard Balakis walking in the room at Credit Suisse where I was trading saying, that machine's going to take your job. And wanting to learn why would that machine actually take my job and what could I do about that? And that led me to a path where um, after a brief stint in the Middle East where I was writing briefing notes for ministers, I ended up writing research for TAB in New York And it was at the time of the internet becoming involved in investments. And that's sort of changing the whole dynamic around research and access to research, which then led to a further paper um, when I was working at LiquidNet with the then CTO, Tom Doris, where we were looking at the role of predictive analytics. And so it's actually been a journey. And I think we're just at that next stage. But the... The way that AI could potentially change things in the investment arena, I think it's it's almost like, you remember the mobile phone, and we all had like the, the brick of a mobile phone, and that was very much around, that enabled you to make a mobile phone call. And then Apple dropped the iPhone, and all of a sudden, that little widget in your hand, you could do so many more things with it. And I think we're at that similar juncture of, Actually, it's not just about algo trading. You know, now it's really a whole realm that technology can start aiding investments in a way that previously has been quite piecemeal. And I think we're now going to start dragging all the different threads together, which makes it incredibly exciting. And obviously, the sort of the, you know, where we are with the evolution of ChatGBT, it's only a year, and that sort of we're at that pivotal point of not really understanding its capabilities, but being incredibly excited and enthusiastic about it, but also recognising, hang on a minute, do we need to take a breath and figure out whether this is good or bad? And we had a a discussion recently at the FIXED conference in Paris where we brought round the table AI specialists to ask them, exactly those questions and I think there's sort of the summary was we're 15 years into a 30-year journey and so there are going to be incredible developments but we're just not at the tipping point right this second and I think there's an important distinction to understand when people talk about AI today what are they actually talking about they're talking about machine learning are they talking about AI? Are they talking about AGI or ASI? And, and I think it's it's that, we, rather than it being that cumulative buzzword, 
we've got to sort of tease out what exactly we're talking about and how it's being used in the investment process. So in terms of being 15 years into the 30-year journey, what might the end of that journey look like for the investment management industry, the capital markets more widely? You know, what could we be looking at in 15 well, I years? Think that's the fascinating thing because we, we don't actually know. Because, it, I mean, if you, if you roll it back to the birth of algo trading, and, you know, I can remember back in the day, I was told very firmly, you can only trade Vodafone using a VWAP strategy. Um, and it's, it's, you know, algo trading was considered very much like you could only trade the most liquid equity instruments. And then, you know, the idea that you could possibly trade Russia, I mean, God forbid, that was just like, you know, that's not possible. And now you can trade anything and everything electronically. So, but more importantly, it's the jobs that have come with it. So, you know, you've got the whole realm of TCA, data scientists, quants that are now involved in trading that weren't previously. And I go back to the point that actually technology in the industry has tended to focus on the execution of trades, whereas I think now it's moving right across the trade lifecycle. And and, and obviously there have been back office systems, etc. But it's the ability to tie everything together. But I think it's that level of flexibility where, you know, you ask a question, you get a response, and there's much more of a fluid conversation around how AI could potentially be used. So one example, um, so obviously we had the incident um, at the conference at Bletchley Park where the paper was produced about the fact that the machine knew insider information and use that insider information to trade, even though the bot knew that that was an illegal action and it shouldn't have traded. Now, in the conversations at the fixed conference that we had, you know, one of the individuals made a very good case of it's still machine learning, so it will need to know what is the order of preference. So it's it's still a linear decision tree. And if you'd put insider trading is the worst thing you can do at the top of the tree, then it wouldn't necessarily have used the insider information. It was given the ability to decide, you know, actually the company is losing money. Therefore, the insider information is less important than the company losing money because it was given that instruction twice. So what he was alluding to, which I thought was quite interesting, is that actually potentially AI could be extremely helpful in deciding where the risks are for bad actors within the system. And so it's not necessarily, I don't think it's going to be a flat picture in terms of what AI can and can't do. It's going to evolve. And it's only as we understand the use cases and that we can start to see where the potential is for integrating AI in different processes. So they were talking about operational productivity. Obviously, that's a given, but it's optimising individuals. So again, going back to the fixed conference, you know, when we asked people, do you feel that AI might take over your job? And a high percentage of the audience said no. But you could say the same about um traders and sales trading back in the day, you know, it's sort of the job evolved and became a different job. 
And the point on the panel was all about the fact that actually, don't you want the machine to take the dull and repetitive elements of your job and allow you to be much more creative in what you're doing and value add? So it's really the focus on what the creative aspects that you can start incorporating in your day-to-day work. And that could be better relationships with your clients, more bespoke products that you're able to sell that are not sort of a flat FTSE 100 ETF, but could be something much more exciting. Now, those are already in play today, but it's just the ability to be able to extend it even further. And one of the elements I think is particularly interesting is in sustainable finance. So part of the problem today is sort of looking at green products and trying to figure out Is it really green or is it actually brown with a green shiny wrapper around the front? Um, And as you know, in some senses, it was relatively easy when you were just looking at fossil fuels because you're good, bad. Now, I think as you're you're moving away from sort of even just climate, but moving into social and um, governance, but the full 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs, then that's actually a minefield of information that you've got to be able to manage. And it needs to be much more bespoke because what you believe is a good ESG investment could be completely different to me. And it's that ability to be able to start probing the right questions in order to be able to create exactly what an individual client could potentially want to invest in. And again, going back to the conference, they were talking about some future roles and they're saying quant engineers or coders, they're going to become prompt engineers. And it's about how you ask the right question will determine what kind of answer you get. So I think it is definitely evolving, but already we're starting to see elements where people can see the benefits that AI could potentially bring, not least of which looking at greenwashing. And in terms of how the industry adopts AI and embraces the the new possibilities that are there. Do you expect it to be a uniform adoption across the industry? Or is it more likely that some more innovative firms sort of leap ahead, race ahead, and, you know, this could cause some disruption in the industry with those who, who fail to grasp the opportunities potentially losing out? Ours is a competitive industry. There have always been people who've seen the opportunities and made the move ahead of others. I think there is clearly an advantage if you are a larger asset manager with a lot of technology and data resources. So if we're thinking of those who've invested heavily in technology already, they're, they're probably at the head of the pack. You know, that's just the nature of the business that we're in. However, just because they're at the head of the pack at the moment doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to remain at the head of the pack. And I think this is where it starts to become much more interesting just in terms of the products that are developed. The participants in the marketplace, I thought it was interesting, the announcement today from FlexTrade around AI and algos. You know, now, if we roll back to when sort of algo development was in its day, 
that was very much the role of a large bold bracket bank. It wasn't a technology player. So again, already you're seeing different partnerships within the space that are going to evolve and provide services to market participants in a different way. Is there a potential for uneven distribution? Yes. But that, I think, is one of the reasons why people need to stay engaged in the topic and the debate to see how that actually pans out. Another interesting development is what we're seeing in the States, where algo tools are just being rolled out to retail investors. Now, that's an interesting development. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, there's sort of the libertarians would say, you know, it should be the right of a retail investor to be able to trade in the same manner and, and create a portfolio of stocks that tracks whichever indices and has the capabilities of an algo trader in the same way that BlackRock or Vanguard have. Now, you know, I think the jury's still out on whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, but it is available. And, you know, there's a company called Composer who advertise their algo strategies that are available for all. Now, that's interesting because it might sort of level the playing field to a certain extent, but it also draws in lots of questions about what does that mean for systemic risk within the marketplace? You know, would you essentially be giving somebody tools to trade and execute in the marketplace that shouldn't necessarily have that capability and what would the sort of knock-on ramifications of that behaviour. So clearly, within the industry, we all know the importance of market stability and there are sort of codes of conduct that people have to follow and we've all got compliance officers who monitor very carefully trading activity. So we just don't know what the outcome will be, but I think it does make it a very interesting and exciting time. But it also calls into question elements of regulation and how we actually regulate the market and how we make sure that we maintain orderly functioning markets. And I think it was actually a regulator from ASIC who mentioned this, I think it was over a year ago now, just about the importance of, it doesn't matter which technology you're using, there is an obligation for the regulator to look at how that technology operates in practice and the potential impact, whether it is intentional or not, on the market overall. So I think it's one thing is 100% clear. We're definitely going to see interest from regulators across the globe, not just sort of the, the examples that we've seen thus far. I think it's going to become much more of an ongoing debate Given the speed of development within the AI as well, I think we, it, that is going to ramp up considerably. We're certainly seeing a very lively public policy debate globally around this question, how do you manage AI, especially with all the uncertainty and, and not knowing exactly where it's going to go, as, as you said. But we see different ideas, almost different approaches to, to how to address this regulatory question. On the one hand, ideas around, you know, there's something unique about this technology, we need to regulate it in a very specific way. And then on the other side of the spectrum, those who say, look, we need a technology neutral approach, it doesn't really matter what the technology is, we just need to regulate how people actually use it in the marketplace. Where do you fall on that spectrum? I think it's even 
broader than that. So if we think back to method, you know, that was very much industry participants. You, know, you, you had to be sort of a, a registered market firm and then it was applicable to you. This is why I think we've got to start approaching regulation in a completely different way because it's almost impossible. Like, where do you draw the line as the individuals who need to be regulated for using AI? You're not just going to be able to contain it on the individuals within financial services. And we need to start thinking more broadly. So there's one clear area, like markets abuse. If you abuse the markets, then then there will be ramifications of that. And, you know, whether you're Nick Leeson from Bearings or sort of the latest story about Hamas potentially shorting the market ahead of the recent events in Palestine, you know, I think that's clear market abuse and it will be dealt with in the appropriate manner by existing regulation. I think where it becomes more interesting is sort of social media social media influencers on TikTok sort of making industry recommendations. You know, that's when you start seeing we need to change an approach. It's not just necessarily the people within the industry. And a lot of us who've been in the industry a number of years, there are, as we discussed earlier, there are compliance officers, there are laws and regulations that you need to follow as a, an industry representative. And there are benefits to that in terms of an orderly functioning of a market. So you've then got the inadvertent, accidental use. Now, there are existing rules around algo trading and kill switches, circuit breakers. I think there's things that can be done to limit the potential negative impact on the market. So avoiding sort of the systemic risk. But I think there's going to be more around understanding the technology and understanding your use of the technology within your day-to-day role. So I think the education around AI and the use of AI is going to become much more important. Even within algo trading, it's sort of the idea that you should actually be able to understand what is going on underneath the hood rather than sort of signing up for whichever widget that you get on your desk, but not actually necessarily understanding the nuts and bolts behind it. So I think long gone are the days of sort of marketing a particular product. And this is one of the things I think we need to be quite careful of going forward is, you know, when people are using the term AI, what are they actually using? What does it mean? What is its capabilities? rather than it being the buzzword that it has become. So, Rebecca, I understand that you've been doing a lot of research around artificial intelligence and you have a full leadership paper that's currently in the works. I know it's not out yet, but are you able to give us a bit of a preview? What, what's it looking at exactly and any early insights you're able to share? Well, I've, I've started the outreach and I'm talking to um, sort of chief technology officers in particular, just trying to understand what their thinking is around the use of AI within their organisations. And it's very clear that people are sort of testing things internally and there's a a level of nervousness from industry participants at the moment about sort of extending it more widely. But there are clear examples of helping 
portfolio managers in particular actually get access to better information. So obviously there's an overwhelm of data out there and it's making sure that people get the, the right access to the right information at the right time far quicker. So obviously speed to market is everything, but it's going back to the old days of algo trading and HFT. You know, if you're, if you're going to trade really, really quickly, you can trade really quickly and have an absolute disastrous outcome. You know, it's actually smart trading that's better trading and not necessarily the speed at which you go at, but obviously if you get there quicker, you get the alpha. And I think it's extending the alpha idea into the idea generation. So making sure that you're getting your PM the best intelligence in the fastest possible means by whittling out what is unnecessary information and focusing on the real value information. So there's certainly that element. But I think the other side of things, as I mentioned, is the ESG and starting looking at the potential for things like if there are going to be these data lakes with pools of information in, that actually how do you get that information out of the data lake and incorporate it into the investment process? So there's, there are, there's a lot of exciting ideas being bounced around, but I think it's more a question of people really trying to figure out unique uses of AI. And because the speed of development is such, you know, actually... You know, we don't know what the technology is yet capable of. And so that is an evolution of itself. And then once that evolution has been all the examples of how AI is being used, then that can be put into use cases in the industry. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely work in progress. Hard to keep up, actually, to be honest. I can imagine. Well, I, for one, um, am really looking forward to it. And just for everyone listening, when it is released and available, where can people go to to find it and read it? So it will be available on the usual LinkedIn and um, the normal channels, but I'm sure they can contact you direct as well, and I will make sure that you get a copy. Absolutely. Well, um, that's been fascinating to, to hear your insights, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please do keep staying tuned. We'll have more episodes along very soon. Thank you.